0: Coming up, changes on the horizon. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is Green Tagged, Theme Park in 30. Green Tagged covers the top theme park news from the past week. Today, we're discussing ways the industry will change from the Russian invasion, the Galactic Star Cruiser, Harry Potter exhibition, Pepper the Pig, and the new Attack on Titan exhibition. All that and more coming up on this episode of Green Tagged. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, Florida, this is Green Tagged, Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip from Gantam Lighting and and the Haunted Trash Network, and I'm joined by my co-host, the wonderful Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Creative Development. Hello, Philip. How are you this week? I'm here.
1: Well, that's, that's <laughs> certainly better than the alternative, because otherwise I'd be hosting the show by myself, which would be really difficult because... I don't know how all the technical stuff works. So You're, you know, know,
0: great at monologue, Scott. You're just fantastic. I, I
1: could, I could, I could probably talk enough. That's true. But the challenge would be, um, I nobody'd hear it because I couldn't get the recording to start. So that would be the frustrating part. Um, so, uh, gosh, you know, I don't know whether you've noticed or not. There's a little thing that has kind of happened in the world. Um, <clears throat> it looks like there's been an invasion in the Ukraine. I, I know, I know. It kind of probably went over every. It kind of wasn't a real big blip on anybody's radar. Um, but uh, but Russia and the Ukraine have uh, well they've said Russia sent troops into the Ukraine obviously and uh, we were we figured that we'd probably best hit this one first because this is the largest elephant in the room when it comes to what can or what may or may not affect uh, our industry and it's you know certainly has the potential to affect um, the world in general but uh, we kind of wanted to break it down and see how this kind of thing was uh, was going to affect. Um, the the theme park and attractions industry, and I know Philip, you've done you've done your not only have you done your research on this, you've also um, formed some very strong opinions as to to what's going to happen. So let's uh, let me kick it over to you, and I'll let you get us started because because I think you're far more educated about this situation than I am.
0: I think we're being a little bit glib about it, but of course it is a, a terrible situation, and you know we we don't want to we want to underscore that it's a terrible situation. I think where I want to walk with our audience the line is we're really just looking at the impact that sh- that would be felt by tourist attractions. And that's that's kind of the line we're walking on. So we're not really going to talk about the, the other issues with it, even though it is a, a serious matter. And uh, for me, I, I think in terms of how it's affecting our listeners, it's a pretty straight line that there are going to be economic echoes that are going to impact us. Uh, I think the most direct <laughs> one, which is I'm sure one you've already been hearing about, All over the news it is the oil prices but the you know the the main things that's going on oil prices grains those are the two main things that that we've been hearing but i think that the larger impacts of those is oil prices directly impact transportation costs which not only impact the cost of raw materials that parks use for development but they also impact the end consumer in terms of prices at the gas tank which we know, if, we know if you put all these things together, what that does is potentially discourage travel because you put the oil price all that. that that's how it, it impacts us directly. And the delay on this is going to be maybe like four to six months. So it's kind of, we've been talking this whole time about the, the timeline for this year and how Haunts or how Haunts, how parks and Haunts, but Haunts are getting ready. But how parks have been opening a lot of assets and trying to drive, you know, kind of set up the dominoes to have a really good summer and then holiday season, working on staffing, all that kind of stuff. So this is potentially a a wrench being thrown into that situation of discouraging travel because costs are getting high. The other wrench it's potentially throwing into it is the costs of raw materials. You know, for example, I talked to uh, two manufacturers this past week about the transportation costs and the increase it potentially would have on them. And both of them agreed that from what they're seeing as a theming and a fabricator, that the cost of raw materials would is doubling, if not tripling, around the July time period. So that means like your cost for latex, your cost for foam core, costs for those kind of things would double or triple. So I think all this being said, if if you are if you have, have not paid for a project already that's already contracted that you are looking to do in the you know Q three, Q four time range that involves any of those raw materials, the price of those could significantly increase if you've not already quoted it. And then that so that that's the like manufacturing stance on it. Then the end stance is people could be more reluctant to travel distances that that you know r- rely on gas or any of that kind of thing. So it could be it could be another situation where tweaking your marketing to local audiences might be more beneficial in that time period just because of the increased travel oil and transportation costs overall um the the bigger question which i'm not sure i could really give an answer to but the bigger question is is that going to overall discourage tourism and and lead to a little bit like of a mini recession for the travel entertainment industry i'm not sure about that i I think the thing we talked about last time which is that inflation in the entertainment and tourism sector is not is about like half of what it is in some of the other sectors so I think if you combine that you know it and depending on how long this goes it they may kind of like cancel each other out so I'm, I'm not sure I think the demand is is so high and everything is so strong right now I'm not sure there's really going to be that much of a dip but you could see people that have less disposable income, you know. If your target is is on that end, if you're a nonprofit or you have people that are targeting less, they may be less like more reluctant to travel further distances, basically, for tourism and kind of stay local. But we've been dealing with that with years. So those are my thoughts. So, Scott, so
1: I just I I would like to echo. Um, I did not mean to be glib in the in the beginning. I was being glib about the fact that it has it has been all over the media, and we are very much aware of it. Um, that is not to make light of the situation with with people in the Ukraine, having to deal with, you know, anytime you have to deal with a um, conflict situation, it does not need to be, uh, there's there's nothing to be made light of. Um, yeah, my my purpose was more to make light of the fact that it has been all over the news, and we all know it. And I always feel, it's always difficult for me to come on and talk about the really obvious things, because we've already heard so much about them, and we've already seen them. Um, as far as how is it going to affect our our industry, I think Philip could be very right. I also think, based on what we've seen with the pandemic, if this were three years ago, I would say Philip is 100% right. However, what I'm going to suggest is, as we've learned with the last crisis we're still coming out of, um, the best way to to be prepared is to stay prepared. So when it comes to those things uh, like... Oil prices, transportation, raw materials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Have multiple parallel paths. This is the best thing you can do because, again, I if Philip, if I could sit here and say yes, Philip, you're 100 right. It's exactly the way it's going to happen. Which I'm not saying that's what you were suggesting. But if if I could sit here and say that, I'd say great. Stick to your guns. Get your stuff bid in. Um, plan for these higher prices. But I'm I cannot sit here and confidently say that. What I can say is. It's possible. It's possible. But one of the things, like I said, what we learned from the pandemic is you can't decide I'm going to have one supplier for my widgets. You've got to have multiple suppliers for your widgets that are preferably in multiple parts of the country, some local, um, and and establish those early. Get those established so that you already have a working relationship so that you can shift from one parallel path to the next as you need to. Um, As far as people attending parks, I have been shocked and amazed as to what has happened in the last, actually even in the last three months, Um, when we never thought that the attendance, certainly here in Florida, would return as quickly as it did. But it is, uh, they're having to close the doors at uh, at Walt well, Disney World um, for certain parks almost every day, not quite, but almost every day because of high attendance numbers. And, you know, the we still haven't recovered from really anything of the pandemic. I mean, it's less uh, there's less concern about the actual spread. There's more vaccinations, which is great. Um, but you know, gas and oil prices still have not dropped to a basement low. Um, they've come down a little, but they they haven't dropped to a basement low. People are traveling more. Um, there are some people who never stopped traveling throughout the course of the pandemic. Um, so uh, I don't I, I guess the advice that I would give is be prepared. On multiple in multiple ways. Don't think that you can just sit there and go, "Well, this is the way we've always done it. These are the vendors we've always used. This is how we've always uh, had to transport hard goods and materials and whatever." Um, and this is true whether you are a park or whether you are like me, a contractor who works out who works with the park systems. Um, if you're doing bids now, make sure make sure that you include in there um, a percentage of error. And I would say it's, it should be significantly higher. And if you are a park hiring a contractor, you should be, um, open to this, uh, just because, and, and if you, if you question it, hold that, hold that, uh, that contractor, hold their feet to the fire when the, when the price goes up by 20%, 30%, 40%, make them prove it, make them prove it, but recognize this is probably, or may happen. It may not, but it may. So just. I think we just need to take what we've learned throughout the 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 pandemic and i think we need to be prepared on multiple levels with multiple options and i know people will say well i don't have time to do that and my response is you don't have time not to yeah it's not that i disagree with what philip is saying i'm just not as certain about it as he is um and that could be because of my own ignorance so i will admit that uh but i think that with any sort of situation, whether it is a a conflict or a disease or whatever, there's gonna be right and left turns and they're gonna happen at the most unexpected times. And so once again, I say, have multiple paths.
0: I agree with having multiple paths overall. I think that, again, to take back learnings from this past few years, everyone should understand now that we are a complex economy that is interconnected and it is definitely difficult to perceive how how this is going to shake through. So I also think that all these things can be true at the same time and probably will be true at the same time. You will have some areas that will not struggle at all, maybe like your Disney because they've been, as we mentioned, they've been kind of choosing their own audience. They've been kind of selecting a certain group of people and they've been raising their prices. So if you're already intending to spend that much, transportation probably will not deter you because you, you're you planning this once in a lifetime.
1: And I mean a perfect example. I'm glad you brought up like zoos because let's face it, a whole bunch of my clientele are <laughs> zoos, aquariums, and museums. So um, one of the things that things that I found interesting with my clients is uh, they have uh, zoos usually, usually, usually operate as a local industry. Their target is mm-hmm. local, um, and if you know if they are relying on uh, tourism traffic, my guess is this will not impact them negatively. If, if, if airfare goes up, I think it may impact them positively because more people are staying in town. Therefore, instead of flying to, um, in, in, instead of flying to Hawaii to go on a dolphin watch, they'll go see the dolphins at the local zoo or aquarium. Mm -hmm. So I, I, um, again, I don't know either. And I don't think any of us do. I think the most important thing we can say is just prepare on multiple levels for the same thing. Cause that way you won't be stuck with your, with your wallet hanging out.
0: Okay. Well, our next section is kind of, a what did you miss in the past few weeks in terms of big, big things that have opened. So, you know, we talked about kind of some of the uh, oxygen being sucked out of the, the newsroom, but there have been a lot of big openings and big news in the, in our world, in our, our industry, um, the first one is this past week has been uh, the Star Cruiser. The media embargo was lifted, so we are finally seeing a lot of uh, media takes and film and video of the Star Cruiser experience. Uh, what do you think, Scott? Well, I haven't experienced it firsthand, so I really can't say.
1: What I think is interesting from a social media standpoint is does anybody really like it? Um, <laughs> i I, I, have I really heard, haven't found many <laughs> i I have heard I have heard so much negative um but what's interesting is I really haven't heard a whole lot of negative from people who've actually experienced it. I've heard a whole lot of negative from people who have either seen it or will as we've talked about before will never be able to afford it um i i, I there's been significantly less that I've seen and it may be out there there's been significantly less about people who've actually experienced it um i will I do find it interesting because uh, I was talking to somebody who's not at all involved in the theme park industry and they saw the uh, some of the the new images and and that sort of thing and they said, Wow, the rooms just look like really cheap cruise line rooms yeah and and I said, well, that's kind of the mindset that they're going for yeah. but you know with with the ongoing um Discussion in our industry about things being immersive and things being interactive and things being gamified. Does it, you know, how how impactful is that? How important is that? Because what you're really paying for is the possibility of engaging in the engine room, engaging in being trained to do X, Y, and Z, um, having a variable story or plot line that's going to engage one or two people. I, I, for me, the jury's still out. I will say that I, I think it is very pricey. I think that it is clearly targeting a uh, very high-end market, and I think it is much more of a brag tag than it may be an experience. I also think it's unlikely that people who are going to pay that much money are going to come away from it and say it wasn't worth it. I was taken. I was, I feel foolish. Um, yeah. It takes you back to kind of a Mark Twain story. So uh, I um, I'm curious to see or to hear from people who have actually experienced it, who went through the whole, um, the whole two-day story arc, um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it may not be for everybody, but let me take you back, let me, let's hop back in the old guy's Wayback Machine, and let's go back to when Walt Disney World first opened, uh, here in Florida, in, in the 70s, um, there was a, a magical place called the Contemporary Resort, which nobody but the richest of the rich could get in, or more accurately, no one could get in unless you knew somebody. You had to be connected somehow and there was discussion even back then that this was not the Disney brand. this is just the next contemporary resort. this is the next you know i and i I only say that because I went to disney this I went to Walt Disney World the second year it was open, and um Then again, the third year, the second year, we could not get into the the contemporary resort. We didn't have any connections. We didn't know anybody. We didn't book it the moment they started taking bookings. They were taking bookings two and three years out. Um, Mm -hmm. The second year, we did stay at the contemporary resort, and it was only because my dad had a connection through somebody he had worked with. Um, So this idea is nothing new to the Disney brand. Nothing new at all, and it was and it's pricey. And when there was only one hotel, um, or two hotels, because uh, Polynesian was open as well. But uh, when there were only two hotels on Disney property, everybody wanted to stay in them. You had to have connections. It was exclusive as hell. Um, this is just uh, the next level of that. And um, there were people who would say, "Well, I'd much rather stay in the the." Holiday Inn down the street, Holiday Inn in Kissimmee, then spend twice that much to spend to stay at Contemporary. But having done it, the experience and just the ability to eat, sleep, feed all within a brand is kind of fun, and that's what you're paying for. So again, I I haven't seen much positive. I understand all the concerns, but um, it's really not that new for Disney.
0: I. I would push back a little bit. I I, I n- not not in the concept that like it's um the link to the contemporary and capturing someone's attention over and over, you know, with the brand and et cetera, et cetera. I think that I think you're on the mark with that. I push back a tiny bit because to me I, I also before I disagree, I also agree with basically what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well basically But basically with your, I think your, your overall stance that is like, we are too kind of in our own bubble to see it from like the, the guest perspective, you know, like the people that are paying to come to this experience, they're so outside of our bubble because they have this amount of disposable income and, and they're, they're not in the industry. I mean, they're, they're so outside of, of our perspective that, um, and I also agree with, with your psychological argument kind of thing where like, if you're going to spend that much to do it, you're actually biased to say it was a good experience, even if it wasn't because look at how much you spent, you know, and look at how exclusive it is and the grab, the bragging right thing. And, you know, some of the customers that could be going, like, if you're, it would mean, you know, this is the the crux of the argument, right? It would, it would be a big deal to us. But if this were the price of a Starbucks to you, then you probably wouldn't care. It literally is like the same as me being like, well, I didn't really like that fra- that new Frappuccino flavor that I got, you know, last week. But whatever, and you just go on with your life. That could that could really be it, you know. So, but I think the thing I push back on is I do think this is a big testing ground for Disney in terms of testing this this like genre of an experience that is like a a, a storyline kind of like with the actors and with all that kind of thing. I, I don't really think they have any other assets that they're really testing this type of thing on. Now, that's exactly almost the problem I have with it. It feels too much like a test, like it, it feels like to use industry terms, that it's been value engineered, like, way, way too much. Like, I do think everything looks cheap. I do think that there's a lack of droids, which is very confusing and and just weird. I do think the designs are cheap. I do think that like, there's hardly any aliens, there's not a full band. there's upsells everywhere, like I think all those things. But overall, I think the theme is that it's been value engineered too much, which in My brain is like, seems like they're just testing it. Like, this seems like a a thing they're just trying to test to figure out the perception of the audience. Like, exactly Scott's point. Like, I'm sure the people building this design themselves can't even really get in the mind of of the consumers. So, they're really just testing it. They're trying to test to see, like, is this type of model going to work? How is it going to work? Then they can flesh it out later and deploy it in different places, just like the community thing we talked about last time, Story Living. Like, I, I think this is. If anything, this reeks to me like a test, just overall, like a beta test kind of, of this, this concept of a, a much higher spend and also combining theme park and story elements together. You've, you've never really had that before, to my knowledge, of the Disney brand, where you're combining a VIP park experience, so you're combining the park IPs with the actors and the story experience inside with like a the hotel, you know, kind of these things together. It's all. It's kind of, ultimately, it's the same thing we've been talking about over and over, which is just a stronger vertical, kind of like they're combining all of their assets together into a stronger vertical. But I think it is the first time they're testing something like this.
1: Well, I, I would agree with you that it's the first time they tested something like this on this public level. But there have still been experiences like this where you spend the night in the castle. Um, you know, you, there, is, there is an apartment there that they have rented out yeah. for years. So, um, mm, it's, it's one of those situations Capacity, where... Capacity, though. Right. Oh, absolutely. It is the first time, I agree with you 100%. It's the first time they've done it, pu- that's why I say, publicly. You know, a, and... no
0: actors involved in that, and no, like, strong actors. Uh, like
1: actually, this. there were. There were, there were um, character experiences involved in mm-hmm. that. But, um, greeting, uh, welcoming. It wasn't story-driven, but yeah. it was, uh, welcoming and, and private encounters with. Um, but, to your point, I think this is, uh... I think I think you're right. I think it is a test, and um, from what I've seen, it doesn't it doesn't look to me it doesn't look nearly as cheap as they they as as many people have said it does. Um, to me, it looks clean, which may make it look cheap because it's not weather worn like so much of the stuff that we've seen in the movies. So maybe that's the mistake. Maybe they've made it look too much like a galactic cruise ship and not enough like Star Wars, because Star Wars has never been clean. You know, the okay. only thing that's clean is is the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Imperial Star Cruisers that are clean. Everything else is kind of ragtag and, and and scuffed up a bit. So maybe that's the level that that is is making people say it looks cheap. Um, the lack of droids uh, I, it doesn't really affect me one way or the other. Lack of aliens I would like to see more, but that's always because I'm always about the actor, you know. Um, yeah. But again, I, I think it is a beta test. I, I think that... Uh, it is what it is, and there's going to be—to me, it's, it's kind of like going back to the, the e-ticket days, um, only this is the e-ticket that is more expensive than, you know, a car. Um, the, 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 two nights, the two nights on the Galactic Cruiser is like two seven-day cruises for two. Um, so, you know, it just depends on where you place your value, um, where you want to have fun, or how you want to have fun.
0: Well, that is a great segue into some of the other uh, big things that happened this week. Because there's a bunch of new ways to have fun. <laughs> there is a bunch of new ways to have fun. Uh, so the uh, Harry Potter, the exhibition premiered on February 18th, and it's running through September 18th at the Franklin Institute. And uh, Scott, you know, you know the people over at the Franklin Institute. So.
1: I do. And I love the people at the Franklin Institute. Franklin Institute is uh, one of my clients. And... um I had nothing to do with, with the selection of the Harry Potter exhibition. I was just one of the ones cheering when they told me that they they had it. I've known this was coming for a little over a year now, and um, I, I couldn't be happier. I really couldn't be happier for them. Um, the, the thing that I love about it is, although Franklin Institute is very much a science center, and they are very STEM-based, they don't ignore the fact that there are uh, other ways to bring people in and engage them in... Um, learning and engage them in science and i think um from what i've learned from, uh, about the harry potter exhibition um it's this is just a perfect it's a perfect fit for them it's a great way to help bridge um the the common person into a science environment and a science museum and uh and i applaud them for not being so paranoid to include something that is clearly fantasy that is clearly magic and yet makes that that um, that transition acts as a bridge once again into the world of science and the world of education. So kudos to my wonderful friends at the Franklin Institute. Um, I can't wait to see this exhibition. I will see it. Um, I will see it actually <clears throat> in not in the in not too distant future. Not too a couple months. A Couple months. I'll be up there. So
0: I'm looking forward to it. Another big opening for which uh, Scott knows the people at uh, (laughs) the the Peppa the Pig theme park opening at Legoland Resort in Florida. Yeah, um, so uh,
1: Peppa Pig um, with Legoland, uh, oh yeah. Um, Now this is—I will tell you—Peppa Pig is a brand I do I did not know a ton about. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew it was popular. I knew of it, but not having, um, children of that age, I, I really was not aware of the impact of this brand. And, um, the impact of this park, I think is going to be even, uh, more impressive. And that is the fact that it is, uh, targeted for children who are, um, who are on the autism spectrum. And, Mm -hmm. um, this is, the park is designed to be, um, not overwhelming for, uh, for children who who may have some some additional issues when it comes to uh, focus and um, reaction to uh, noises and and colors and movement et cetera et cetera et cetera, and yet it still is designed to be a lot of fun. So um, I am yeah. very excited to see where this is going to go. Um, I know that other parks have been approved um, for, and I'm sure I'm there's a, a I'm sure there's a certification or a, a designation that I'm missing, but um that are have been approved for uh children with autism. But this is a whole park that is dedicated to that. And it couldn't be in better hands than, than Legoland because I think Legoland has always been um, has always been focused on the youngest of the guests and and without yeah. being dull to grown-ups. So kudos to them. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, it's I I like the idea that it is designed specifically with children ages six and under in mind, which is kind of what they said here in the release. And to Scott's point, it's, you know, not only is it designed for, I guess it's designed for all children Mm -hmm. uh, under that age range in mind, you know, so it's, 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 it's a really big step forward in terms of inclusivity, but also it's a, I think a big step forward in terms of this idea of crafting an area that is kind of just designed from the beginning for this, for a, a slice that really hasn't been touched that much in the past, but it's just interesting to, to say we're going to have these slices of experiences that are just that we're, we're just telling people they're they're designed for this age group right right off the bat you know and e- even down to them thinking about how the longevity you know kids six and under are not going to last you know they, they sit on here pre- the preschool market doesn't have the longevity to last eight nine ten hours at theme park so it can be experienced in as little as a few hours and serves as a complementary addition to the overall resort so it's just it's smart, you know, for for that age range, you know, a complimentary edition, you can take your kids over just the the layout, all all of the assets are just designed specifically for that age range in mind. And even the duration that they want to experience things. So yeah, it's clearly been it's clearly been put together um, with
1: their target audience in mind. Someone has been a great, someone has been a great cheerleader and advocate for um, this particular demographics uh, guest experience and pretty much on all levels from what I've seen. Now, again, I've not visited it yet myself. I don't have my little pink ears, which I saw everybody wearing after the opening, which were absolutely adorable. Um, but uh, I am I am tickled that this, par- this park exists and I look forward to checking it
0: out myself. Yeah. So also opening on February 19th, or already opened on February 19th, Attack on Titan opened at the Art Science Museum. And i'll read here from the release hit manga series attack on titan will arrive in singapore's shores as part of the major exhibition of the art science museum this will be the southeast asia debut of attack on titan the exhibition which will showcase the immersive world manga series written and illustrated by japanese creator hajime isayama so uh, again i think it's all these stories are related you know here is also an, an example of the art science museum to scott's point accepting that they can look outside of in into the fantastical world to make connections to art and science. You know, it doesn't have to be all the classic science uh, examples here. And also, this is an example of somebody, a curator, looking at what's important to their core market and acknowledging how popular this IP is in their local market. And they're trying to make it's just like, <laughs> this, this all reminds me of when you're in school and you're trying to teach a, a lesson as a teacher. And then you're, you're trying to think of like, how do I explain this concept, but use it in a way that the students can understand because they interact with something in their daily life. And you know, How can I make this example speak to them? And th- that's why I, I like these examples.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're great. And I think it's important for Everyone to recognize, you know, you may have you may have an agenda if you are if you're an attraction who's listening to us who happens to be uh, an aquarium, a zoo, uh, a museum. You may have an educational agenda, but you also have to recognize that that agenda cannot be accomplished unless you have the interest and the attention of your uh, young audiences um, who are the recipients of your great knowledge. And just because kids are having fun doesn't mean they're not learning. And I think that's really important to recognize. Um, and and incorporate into your overall product mix. Um, Well, that's all the time we have. And I know, Philip, we had like a gazillion more things we wanted to talk about today, but unfortunately we are out of time for this week. So guess what? We'll talk about it next week. On behalf of my co-host, Philip Hernandez uh, with uh, Gantam Lighting and the Haunted Attraction Association and myself, Scott Swenson with Scott Swenson Creative Development, thank you so much and tell all your friends about us so that our numbers just continue to grow just like all the theme park attendance that's happening right now. See you next week.